Welcome to our Panini. This is Saratova Beth. Purim. We are speaking about Purim, and we're going back to Purim 1953, Tafshin Yud Gimel. 1953, it was the height of Stalinist days. There was tremendous evil happening, tremendous, tremendous execution, execution of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Yidin and non-Yidin, uh, and, and there's huge evil from the Amalek of those times, Stalin, that was happening. And there was something called the doctor's plot that was something extremely dangerous being plotted in Stalinist Russia at that time. On that Purim, Purim being a day of the Nahapehu, everything being turned upside down, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said to Maimarim, and in between a story. We are about to learn the second Maimar. I'll tell, I'll say the story in a minute. Um, but, okay, the story is the following. After saying the first mimer, again, we're in, it's Purim time, and Purim is a day when v'nahapechu, and I'm just going to say something that, go backwards for a second, about Purim. We've been saying in the past couple of days that Haman, when he was building the gallows for Mordechai, we know now that he was actually building the gallows for himself, because it was decreed by Ahasuerus. Let Haman be hung on the very gallows that he built for Mordechai. Haman is, the, Haman is a Malik, is the epitome of the most intense evil that cannot even be transformed, but just has to be eliminated. And it says, Ein Hashem Shalom Yimcha Shalom Hashem's name cannot even be complete until the memory and the name of a Malik and a Malik is wiped out. And we have, excuse me, we have Parshas Zachar, etc. And we have our Gragers for Haman Amalek on Purim. So the Avaida is to destroy Amalek. And not just for the Jewish people, for all of mankind. Amalek is the anti-God energy, intense dark klipa, that is behind all of the really ugly stuff no doubt, that is emerging in the world today that is really incredibly evil. The stuff, the deep state, the cabal, all that stuff. No doubt Amalek is behind that or whichever unholy force each one corresponds to. And what we're looking forward to is on Purim, just like the original Purim, the world should be filled with light and goodness. And that Haman who prepares the gallows or the Yidden ends up hanging on his own gallows. God forbid. I mean, God forbid that he prepares the gallows for Yidden. Okay, so the story, after the Rebbe said the, the first mimer, which I don't have here, the Rebbe stopped and said a story to Hasidim, and the story was that once in the days of the Rebbe Rashad, I guess probably the early 1900s, um, there was a certain, there was, there were voting, there was voting in Russia, and the voting was completely corrupt. There was only one person running, and it was a totally corrupt vote, but um, it was a fake vote, no comment on today's days, and it was all rigged, no comment, and, um, but everybody knew that to be loyal to the party and not be censored and not be in danger, they had to show up at the voting booth and go through this Mickey Mouse voting, um, even though they were, <laughs> it was only the same guy that was going to win no matter what. And so everybody went through the motions. 
And there was a certain chassid who wrote to the, I believe the Rebbe Rashab, and asked if he should actually go through this insane process of showing up at the voting booth. And he was told by the Rebbe, yes. So he said, okay. So I was given by, uh, you know, I was told by my Rebbe to go. He, 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 he saw it as a very holy duty. You know, he put on a guard while he went. He prepared himself not, not to vote, but prepared himself to do what his Rebbe told him to do. So he went there and he voted. This is the story that the Rebbe is telling. He went there and he voted. And after he voted, um, in this corrupt, fake, you know, doctored vote, um, he saw that everybody there is looking up at the board and they're seeing who's winning. And they're all saying, hoorah, 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 which means, meant in Russian, hooray. They're so happy that the one and only guy, candidate, is winning. So he figured, well, I need to do it too. I don't want to stand out, and I don't want the secret police to um, have their eye on me. So um, he also said hoorah. The only thing is when he was saying hoorah, he had in mind, hoorah, he is evil. He didn't mean hooray. They meant hooray. He meant hoorah, 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 hoorah. He is evil. That's the story. So this is the story that the Lubavitcher Rebbe told. Purim, 1953, Tashin Yud Gimel, after the first mimer. And um, after that, the Rebbe said, after telling the stories, the Rebbe encouraged Hasidim there in the shul to all say together as a group, hoorah, hoorah, hoorah. That was it. And then the Rebbe said a second minor. Well, the news came the next morning that Stalin was no longer in the world. Kassidim understood that on Purim something very powerful had happened. And so this mimer, this second mimer after the story, and after we all said hoorah three times, this is the, this second mimer that we're about to learn now was given out by the Rebbe in 1991 during the Gulf War, given out for everyone to learn. And of course we know that the Gulf War, 38 years later, the Gulf War ended on Purim. Same guy keeps coming back in history, the same Amalek and the same, you know, evil guy. And then we had Saddam Hussein, you know, he just keeps coming in a different body, in a different form, with different little changes in policy. Always with that intent of destroying truth and destroying Rahman Islam, wiping out, God forbid, the Jewish people. It's always the intent. Saddam Hussein had his eye on Israel, and he had chemical warfare prepared, which he did not end up using, although kind of looks like he's using it now, been using it for the past year, so, but in a modified way. And our job is to be done with him once and for all, this Amalek. So we're going to learn this second mimer that was said right in, in that 1953 poem, right after um, we said hoorah. Okay, it's called Al-Kain Haraliyam Elu Purim Al-Shem Why do we call Purim 
the name Purim. Why do we call this holiday Purim? Because of the poor, because of the lottery. And we know that the name of something shows on what it is. So we understand that if it was called, if the if a holiday is called Purim because of the poor, that's interesting. You call it Purim because of the poor. The poor is the dice. Sorry, Haman threw dice. He wanted to figure out which month would be the best month for him to do his evil deed. Every month that the dice fell on, he said, nah, that one's not going to work and not that. That one's a Pesach month. That one's a Mazeldik one for the Jews. Oh, Shavuos, they received the Torah. That one's a Mazeldik one. Hanukkah, you know, Kislev, they have Hanukkah. None of these months are going to work for me. So when it came, when the dice fell on the month of Adar, he said, yeah, it's the right time. So the poor are essentially the lottery, the dice. He threw a lottery, a dice, threw dice, or however he did it. He tried a lottery. So the name Purim means this lottery, which seems to be random, which he used to figure out when to do his horrific deed against us, God forbid. So we understand that this idea of this lottery, this poor, I don't mean P-O-O-R, but pay vav resh, this poor give, is something really significant. It's a random kind of an energy, but it had a huge effect on our fate. And we have a yantif called by that. Because the ikr of the yantif of Purim is the gyro, the lottery. So what we have to understand, and is explained in our R over here, this was not the main part of the miracle. The lottery was not what the miracle was all about. What was the miracle? Haman built a, a gallows for Mordechai, and in the end, he was hung on the very, those very gallows. He himself built his own gallows. That's the miracle. The lottery seems like a small piece of the puzzle. And the gyral that Haman threw, um, not only was it not the, the, the miracle, Adarabha, it was part of the, the gazera. It was part of what was bad, not what was good, what worked against us. The words of the Megillah, he killed poor. He threw a poor, he threw a lottery. When he threw these dice, this poor, he said, oh, great, now I can start my dastardly deed and destroy them, God forbid. Great, who wants to call a holiday with that name? And if these days are called Purim because of it, there's got to be something else going on in that poor. The main thing of Purim, it must be that it's actually this, this, this lottery has to do, have something big to do with Purim. And the miracle is called on this name. So, we could say, we could explain that it says in the Gemara that when the poor fell in the month of Adar, Haman, he was thrilled. Haman was overjoyed. Why? Ah, great. The dice fell on the month of Adar. <laughs> he was thrilled. He said because it fell on the month when Maishar Benu passed away. Yay! Bad month for the Jews. Good month for me, said Haman. Of course, he didn't know that Adar, that on the seventh of Adar, Maishar Benu passed away, but on the seventh of Adar, Maishar Benu was born. That he didn't know. He only knew Meshur Rabbeinu's passing, not that he was born. 
So you could say that if these days are called on the name Pur, it's because the nace of Purim was that the lottery fell on the month of Adar, which is, in truth, a good month for us. The month in which Meshur Benu, who redeemed us and does redeem us, was born. So that's a miracle. Yeah, but we need, it's not, it's not enough of an explanation. Because if the Yantif is called Purim, we have to say, the connection of the miracle of the poor, the, 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 the dice, the, uh, lottery, was not only that, okay, it fell on the month of other, but what is a lottery? What is a poor? That's what we need to figure out. That's the secret to the mystery. Because the main part of the nace was, that came from the poor, is that it's random. Random. When you throw dice, you don't know how they'll fall. It's not predictable. Sounds like now, doesn't it? Especially in the land of Israel. You never know when they'll let you travel, when they'll let you go out of your house, when lock down, lock up, lock out, lock, down lock, you know, can you leave, can you not leave, can you do things? You never know. Random. Random. It's very interesting that in war prisoners, Rahmanuslan, they use that tactic of randomness, of not letting people know what's coming to weaken their resolve. The randomness is a very, it, it's, a, it's a known tactic of, of Chinese torture treatment. And it's been used actually past year, since last forum. You never know. Yes, wear a mask. No, wear a mask. Now you can go out. No, you can't go out. Now you can open your restaurant. Now you can't open it. You know, again, for somebody who doesn't own a business, it doesn't seem that significant. For somebody who pays their bills and owns a business, it seems random. Why can't I open my restaurant? Wait, but you're allowing bars to be open, but not my restaurant. You're allowing this. Why can't, why can't children go to school? No, you decided not, right? It seems random. The randomness of the poor is what seems really frightening. And the randomness of what we've gone through since last Purim is what's the most frightening. We just never know. I, I have a jewelry business, and that's how I pay my bills. That's my parnasa. No, I'm not allowed to open. But people went bankrupt. People were devastated. People gave their lives up because they couldn't pay their bills. They, they, had, they were left on the street. They couldn't. But it's random. And they begged for mercy. And they begged, can children go to camp? Can people go to school? Can people go to work? No, 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 no. Why not random? Where is it coming from? It must be coming from the same guy, a Malik. He's behind all of this stuff. He was doing it then. He said, my modus operandi is the poor, the random throwing of the lottery that you don't know how it's going to come out. Who knows? You know, don't ask me to commit myself to anything that has anything to do with justice. Just submit to my random lottery. And that's what the miracle is, and that's what the holiday is about, Purim. So we're going to see how that turns out to be something that we want to celebrate. We could say, boy, this year, we don't think we want to celebrate Purim. If Purim means the randomness 
that we've experienced for the one entire year since last Purim. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm glad it's on Friday. I'll just spend my day cooking for Shabbos and ignore it. God forbid. Doesn't seem like too much fun. So where's the miracle? So let's look at this. Obviously, there's a miracle. Hashem, you know, Hashem knows what he's doing. So the union of gyral, uh, uh, again, when I say gyral, it means the lottery, the random lottery. It's something very, very lofty. And that's where the miracle came from. And the fact that it fell on the month of other, when the Redeemer of the Jews, Maisha Rabbeinu, was born, um, it came, it came from the main thing, Purim. In other words, the whole miracle came from this randomness. Okay. So now, we understand in Torah R, Purim and Yom HaKippurim are connected. We know that. Yom Kippurim is like Purim, right? Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim is like Purim. And the fact that Yom Kippurim is Kippurim, it's like Purim, it means that Purim is obviously higher than Yom Kippurim. Which one's higher, Purim or Yom Kippur? We would think in the day that you don't eat and you don't drink and all this other stuff, and you're, you know, it was obviously higher. And Purim, when you're running around eating candies all day and giving out candies and, you know, doing juggling in the street, that doesn't seem very lofty. And yet, of course, we know Purim, Yom Kippurim, is like Purim. What's the higher one? Purim. What's the lower one? Kippurim. Sure does feel more lofty and more holy on Yom Kippurim, but it's really more holy this day when we're eating candies and doing all that stuff and plowing, you know, plying everyone else with candies as we're, the jugglers are dancing around. It's one of the highest. So the connection between Yom Kippurim and Purim is that they both go through the gyro, the lottery. The, what was the lottery of Yom Kippur? There were the two goats that the Kaim Gadol had to draw a lottery on. And one goat, I think, was Shechted, I don't remember, and one went to Azaza. One was, what, they each had, they had a different fate. It was random. You draw a lottery, which one is this and which one is that? But the main Avaida of Yom Kippurim has to do with this lottery about these goats. And then Purim, our Purim, the candy one, we know the poor. And one other thing about the connection between Purim and Yom Kippur, they are both um, from Shem Havaya, Yudke Bavke, from a very high place. Yom Kippur, it says, Lifnei Havaya Titaru. Before Havaya, purify yourself. Higher than Havaya. And about Purim, it says, why isn't the name Havaya in Megillus Esther? It's because in Purim, there's a revelation of something way higher than Yudke Vavke. On Yom Kippur, you have Yudke Vavke manifesting his Kayach, Hashem above the world. You don't have Yudke Vavke in the Purim Megillus Esther. You have something way higher than Yudke Vavke, the revelation of Arin Saif higher than Havaya. So, these two things, Yom Kippur and Purim, um, as we say, they're both with the gyral, and they're both from, from the level of Yudke Vavke. We want to understand, again, so we know these two days, and they're similar, 
we want to figure out what is this energy of the gyral. It's definitely something that doesn't make sense. You draw a lottery. You know, say, what? You know, sometimes you go to Chinese auctions and the people, you know, can I harm, poo, 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 the really wealthy people win half of the prizes? No, no, that doesn't make any sense. Why didn't they figure out who really needs, you know, for him to win the dining room set? Like, eh, they could buy a dining room set ten times over. But for somebody else, they'll never be able to afford a dining room set. Why are all the rich? It's a gyril. It's, a, it's an auction. Why are all the rich? I mean, zone sign Right? So the cipher wins the mezuzah or something. The chill. So what is that? It doesn't make any sense. A gyro doesn't make any sense. It comes out random. Gyro hu bechlau. A gyro is you have two equal things, like two goats on your kipper. Um, and one of them, if one of them is better than the other, that's not called two equal things. That's not called a gyro. You cannot do a gyro for two things that are not equal. They have to be exactly equal and say, eeny, meeny, you know, which one? That's a gyro. They both have to be the same. And because if you think about it, um, how are you going to know which one to choose? They're both exactly the same. So what do you do? You depend on the gyro, on the lottery, which makes no rational sense per se. It's higher than what you would figure out. They're two exactly the same. Which one do you want? But they're both exactly the same. So which one do you want? I don't know. Let's do a gyro. So the same thing above. Gyro is higher than hishtalshlus. Chachma is racious hishtalshlus. Chachma is the beginning of hishtalshlus. When Hashem contracts himself and makes a world, the world, it starts with chachma, wisdom, something you can think through. And gyro, which is above chachma, it's above something that you can think through, it's higher than Ishtashlis. So gyral is from an energy higher than the world. Well, that's good. Because let's just... Well, okay, I'll finish this part and then I'll explain why. So when you put together, when you look at Purim and Yom Kippur and realize that they're very similar, they're both dealing with the gyral, you're talking about both of them have the revelation of our insight higher than Ishtashlis, higher than the world. Wow. And that's the connection between these two things. The... Comparing Yom Kippur and Purim, they both are the gyral, and they're both abo- above Yudke Vavke, because Yudke Vavke is Hishtalshlus, Yud is Chachma, He is Bina. And Yom Kippur and Purim are higher than Yudke Vavke. And this that Yom Kippur and Purim are higher than Yudke Vavke, it's because the Gili of Yom Kippur and Purim, it comes from above Hishtalshlus, in Yunagyral. So that means, essentially, that the energy of those two holidays is from a place way above the world. Okay, now let's comment on that for a second. From a place way above the world. Let's look at our situation today. We're in what you call formally, what they call in the vernacular, Gehaktasaris. <laughs> right? For one entire year, we have been in a... Why should I waste my time describing the situation in the world? Everybody knows. Within Seder Hishtalshalus, the laws of the world, it's not okay. And if you know the plans of the globalists, they're never planning to let it be okay ever again. They are not planning to ever let us go back to normal. They, They found a new little toy, which they've been working on developing for 10 years, how to produce Mm -mm -mm. 
how to produce a virus that will infect the whole globe, God forbid, and then make people submit to your ideas of how to deal with it. And every time they, you know, need a new level of power, they just pull another one out of their lab and they have a new strain and a new strain and another strain and another strain and they can, that's it, lock us down, mask us up, shut down our businesses, destroy the community, take, you know, do experimental things with our health, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They've got a toy that Stalin would have, would have, would have, would have salivated over to have such a toy. And, 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 and Hitler, they, 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 they would have given their life to have such a toy. And we've come to a point in history where the derivative, you know, the guys who came from Stalin and Hitler and all that, the same, you know, the same Amalek, they got this toy and they are not planning for us to ever go back to normal. They've got big plans for us. And they believe that their plans are good plans. They don't even believe they're evil. They believe that their plans follow a philosophy that is a just philosophy. This is all within Seder Hishtalshalist, within the way the world works. The globalists have got their plans within Seder Hishtalshalist. Great! No problem! What me? Worry? I read mad. We don't have to worry. You know why? Because we have an ability to go above Seder Hishtalshalist. The globalists thought they have total control over Seder Hishtalshalist. They don't know how to go outside of Seder Espousalist. Klippa exists within Seder Espousalist. Amalek lives in Seder Espousalist, I think. That's why they don't like Jews. That's why they, Amalek never liked Jews, because Jews can jump out of Seder Espousalist and operate from a higher level. And once Jews step out of, you know, operate from above Seder Espousalist, then all the Hummans just hang themselves on their own gallows. Very simple. It's really that clear and that simple. Jump out of Seder Hishtalshalist. You know, I'm just going to say this, that many years ago, somebody, they were in a bungalow, and it was the end of the summer, and they had to, uh, they called a driver to take them home, and he charged a lot and was not very ethical. He um, he uh, put all their stuff on the sidewalk and drove away. And they said, no, we're paying you to bring it in the house. We can't, we have no way bunch of little kids here and this, there's no way to carry all this stuff. We we made up with you that you put all this stuff in the house. And he said, no, I don't want to. And they said, so we don't want to pay you the full price. We'll pay you minus the delivery into the house. So he was very upset, this and that. And the next day, his mother called us. And his mother said to the person, I will make your name mud if you do not pay the full price. They said, but he didn't give us a service. So she said, I will make your name mud in Borough Park. So the person said, I don't know anybody in Borough Park. That's okay. Right? I don't know anybody. Right? So that meant, according to her rules, do you understand what I can do to you if you play my game? He said, well, I could just, I don't know. Like, I'm not in Borough Park, so that's okay. Your jurisdiction is in Borough Park. I don't know anybody in Borough Park, so I don't have to play by your rules. I operate from outside of Borough Park, so that's okay. So what we say to the globalists is you have, you, you, you've been very successful. Haman has been, was and has and continues to be very successful within Seder Ishtalshalist. But we operate, we have access to outside higher than Seder Ishtalshalist. When? On Purim and Yom Kippur.
So what we want to know, so when, when we're looking at the myla, the, what, what a gyral is, what's advantageous about it, um, which we say it's above, not only, it's not only above something that you can figure out logically. A gyral is above something that figure out, you can figure out logically. Like, what? Why did all the rich people win this? Doesn't make any logical sense. It's not supposed to make logical sense. It's a gyral. A gyral means it seems random. It's not really random, but it isn't something that you can make sense of. The people who own the jewelry company won all the jewelry. Hmm, go figure that one out. It's not supposed to make sense. Then what? It's not, a gyral is not only higher than seichel, than something you can understand. It's higher than rasen. It's higher than will. It's higher than what you want. I didn't want, you know, oops, I, oh, I didn't, they didn't want and I didn't want. So there's what makes sense to you. And then higher than that is what I want. How do we know that what I want is higher than what makes sense to me? Because just go to any wedding or any anything where people say, I know I shouldn't eat these pastries, and then they eat them. They know with their mind that they shouldn't eat the pastries, but they want to eat the pastry. And usually their want to eat it overwhelms their knowing that they shouldn't. And I happened to study this phenomenon, you know, and I noticed, I would say 70% of the time people do what they want rather than what they know they should. Not always, but I would say 70% of the time. Um, Because Rutsun is higher than Seichel. Now, what's higher than that? A gyral. It's higher than what you want. It's higher than what, for sure, higher than what you understand. And when a person does a gyral, a lottery, he decides that the way it will fall, that's what it's going, that's going to be his will. Okay, I submit myself to the random, to the gyro, whatever, however it comes out. Okay, let's flip a coin. You know, there was a story about, about a couple and whatever you call, and she, he, he was Jewish and she was not. And, and um, when they got married, they said, well, we have to have some kind of a religion. And she said, okay, whatever you want. He said, whatever you want. And so they, they flipped a coin. And the non-Jewish one won. And they said, okay, we're going to become both, you know, Catholic or something like that. They flipped a coin. Whatever you want. Okay, flip a coin. Then I just do, I like that. Just, I want whatever the coin says. So that's what you decide when you flip a coin, when you do a gyro. I don't know how From this we understand. But we're talking here about a holy gyro that comes from Hashem. From this, we understand that the gyro reaches a level higher than what you want. Because, by the way, with that, who was it that said they wanted? I think the man. Then they had a baby. And um, I think she wanted to have a christening for the baby. And he put his fist down and said, absolutely not. Said, why not? And he said, no, no baby's mine. Well, and she said, well, why not? He said, you know, she said, you flipped a coin. You cared nothing. You cared nothing at all about which religion you have. You flipped a coin. You said, okay. All of a sudden you want? You're begging to not be Christian? Like, what's, what's going on? So the gyro reaches a level higher than what you want. Only that, you know, higher than what you want. Okay. And therefore the rutsen, then you, you decide, okay, I will want what the gyro says. At the moment when their coin landed, you said, okay, fine. Not Jewish, yes, Jewish. The same thing, it's, it's, your want, it's higher than even what you want. So, now above, the Indian of the gyro is, um, in the Bal Harasan, higher than Rasan. 
What is the union of the gyral? Not what you want. We said it's higher than what you want. The union of the gyral is in the one who wants it. The one who wants it. There's there's an energy higher than what I want. Who is it that wants it? Hmm. <laughs> right? That's a different thing. Now we can understand the connection between the two, the Yom Kippur and Purim, that they're so similar, that they're both from the gyral and they're both from uh, higher than Yudke Vavke. Because the beginning of the name of Yudke Vavke is um, Yudke Vavke. What does it start with? A Yud. And not even a Yud, that little dot that's on top of the Yud. If you look at the shape of the Yud, there's a little... It doesn't start with a straight straight line. It has that little squiggly, it's called a kite, a little crown. When you're writing Yud, K, Vav, K, you're a cipher. You put your pen down and you start to, you put it down and you start to move down and you create a little, very beautiful crown. Then you move to the side and you start to make the um, the roof of the Yud. That goes, uh, what's it called? Vertical? Vertical. And then, horizontal? Oops. And then you start to move down to make the yod. That's the shape of it. You start with, your pen goes on this little crown piece. So yod kevavke starts with this little dot, this little crown piece. Tiny little dot. Um, So this little dot on the top of the yud that begins the yud at the top, it shows on the rasan a, a will which is higher than what you understand. Yeah, what I want is usually is higher than what I really understand. We just said about the pastry. Okay. And the fact that Yom Kippur and Purim are higher than Yud Kei higher than the kites, higher than this little dot above the yud. Because on Yom Kippur and Purim, you're bringing down the level of not what the what you want, who wants it? Who wants it? Who's the Bala Rasan? Who's the one who wants it? That's higher than what he what he wants. That's the union of the gyro. That's the third energy. So let's say a lower energy is what I understand. I understand that these pastries are not so good to me. Then let's go higher than that. What I want. I know, but I really want it. They look so good. That's higher. What's higher than that? What's more powerful? And then what's higher than that? Bala Rasan. Who wants it? You know, there's certain people that, about them, they say, if he wants something or she wants something, good luck. You cannot stand in their way. Right? That person is so determined, so that's even higher. That's where the energy of Gairo comes from. Who wants? Now, obviously, we're going to speak about Hashem on a very high level. So, if that's the case, these two understand Yom Kippurim, in which the day is when, you know, Yom Kippur, all the negative things you're forgiven for. Kippurim Kippshuta. And Kippurim um, Kippshuta. That this day of Yom Kippur is like Purim. And of course we say the connection between Yom Kippur and Purim is that um, uh, or the it is that it both have to do with a, a girl. But Kumapurim Alshema Purahu Agaril, right? It's like the Gairal day. The Shlate, because when you are going to be forgiven for all the things that you did against the will of Tarun Mitzvah on Yom Kippur, 
What is that? How is it working? The kapara comes from Orientalized Bala Rasan. Higher than the desire for Taramisus. And so, um, so when Yom Kippur is like Purim, because of the poor, as we said, Yom Kippur, what are you drawing down? Bala Rasan. It's like what you draw down on Purim. We said, this mimer that we're learning, in 19, said in 1953, draw down, drew down a very, 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 very holy kayak that accomplished very, very massive changes in the world, in the stages of the destruction, the obliteration of Haman. That was happening, that Purim, in a very, very powerful way. So when we say Yom Kippur and Purim, these are very intense days. They're very holy high days. But, and so Yom Kippur even gets to have that flow from the Balharasan, like what happens on Purim. We're not so much used to huge miracles happening in the, on the, in the world on Yom, on, on Yom Kippur, but we are used to huge miracles happening, happening on Purim. They must be happening. It's, I, I'm going to guess, this is a total theory, total hypothesis. I wonder if, some of the miracles that are prepared in the world by us through our Vaidan Yom Kippur don't come out and actually happen visibly on Purim. Total hypothesis, so I have no idea, but anybody who wants to look into it, I don't know whom you would ask, but um, ask the experts in Chassidus, just my hypothesis. Maybe yes, maybe no. So this idea, it's the explanation why uh, it's called Yom Kippurim. Because you get kapara for the negative things, right? Kapara, a forgiveness and you, whatever kapara means in English, for all the negative things that you did. And so the kapara, so Yom Kippur is kapara. But what's the kapara of Purim? It's much higher than the kapara, the, you know, cleansing. It's much, the kapara of Purim, the cleansing of Purim is much higher than the cleansing of Yom Kippur. Because on Yom Kippur, what do you cleanse and what do you do tshuva on? Um, on tshuva. The kapara. Oh, the kapara. The cleansing that happens on Yom Kippur. It has to go along with tshuva for it to work. It's a two-part system. It has to go along. But on Purim, different ones. Not a two-part system. The kapara that was, l'chola Yehudim, be made Purim. Arizei Yom Simcha. The kapara, how do we do it? You know, how do we affect? Part two, two parts. Kapara on Yom Kippur, Kapara on 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 Purim, but on but it has to have a partner for it to work. You know, like what is it? The the zinc has to be coupled. The zinc that we all take has to be coupled with uh, quercetin to, to enable it to work, right? So the Kapara of Yom Kippur has to be accompanied by tshuva to make it all work. What is the what is the Kapara of Purim? What does it have to be paired up with to work? Simcha. Simcha, because the ikir inyan of the gyro. Why do you have to pair? Why do you have to pair it with something? Just have kapara. It doesn't work by itself. The zinc doesn't work by itself. It has to have quercetin if you're going to protect yourself against, you know, the virus. Right. So the kapara doesn't work by itself. It has to be paired up with on Yom Kippur, tshuva on Purim. Pair it up with simcha. Why? Because the Iker Inyan of the Gairo, what is the Gairo? 
bringing down the level of Balharat and the one who won. That's Hashem's very lofty level. It's, the main thing of Gairo is for Purim. Purim. Pur means Gairo. So the Yantaf that claims the day of the year that claims the energy of the lottery, the poor, the most is the day of Purim. It's the highest day of the year in a certain way. It's tuning into the energy higher than what makes sense, higher than what is desired. The one who wants it, it's coming from a very, very high place. The place from which, you know, trade this in for that. Turn it upside down. Haman builds a, a, a gallows for Mordechai, and they end up putting Haman on the, the gallows. Upside down. All the bad guys end up making it bad for themselves. Good. Right? Okay. We're ready. That's the day of Purim, because it's coming from an energy where it doesn't make sense. Whoa, that doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. Purim is not about making sense. It makes sense from Hashem's point of view, but only on the level of a very, very lofty aspect of Hashem does it make sense. It doesn't make sense, so to speak, but it comes from a very, very, very holy place in Hashem. And Purim is the day that claims, that gets access to that energy the most. And Yom Kippur gets some of that, also gets access to that energy, but in a secondary way, not as powerfully, not as overtly. And so these days themselves are called Purim because of that. Purim. Not only one lottery, lotteries, energy of, oh, anything can be turned upside down. And so the kapara that was at the time of Purim, it didn't have any limitations. The cleansing that happened at the time of Purim, it didn't have any limitations. But, um, and in Torah Or, it says that the kapara that happened in the real miracle of Purim, the real first time, came, what activated it? How do you get to that level in Hashem in which he says, hey guys, we're going to turn everything upside down. The bad goes becomes good. and then, How do we turn it upside down? Hashem says, I'm watching you and there's a, there's a way for you to in, inspire me to operate from that level. What is the way? The serious nefesh on the part of the Jew. So the Iker Kapira that came through the Gairo came down from Balarasan. It needed Mesiris Nefesh of our Mesiris Nefesh to activate it, to stimulate that level in Hashem. And so, the, as we say, the Kapara, the cleansing of, the, of Purim was without limitations. And that's why Yom Kippur is like that. And Yom Kippur only comes, is activated if it comes with Shuvah. So therefore, we're going to do this mind in two parts. This is the end of the first part. Therefore, we understand that we are looking forward to a day that is beyond, beyond. Last year, Tavshin Pei, Tavshin Pei was a year to Heishnas Klos. Year of mirror, the year of wonders. Well, what does a wonder look like? I would say if you're going to put Lahabdil an emoji to Appella, Appella is a level of Hashem and a level of miracle that's so incomprehensible. 
you could the emoji would be probably a question mark like what in the world is happening you know as people say and really what was the wonder and the miracle of last year the beginning of the the worldwide thing how is that good no we didn't say it's good we said it's something from a very high source and it started on Purim or at least it started on Purim in the place where the most Yidin are. And we're coming up to the anniversary. In fact, we celebrated at Purim parties. We could say, this is the reward we got. We sang and danced and celebrated Purim. And then, and then happened what happened. And, and Rachmanslan, 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 most of the losses that we had in Crown Heights, they were in the, in Adar and in Nisan. Really, in those few weeks we saw, you know, they showed the statistics of when the, most of the people left the world. Other in Nisan. In just the weeks after Purim. It's incomprehensible and beyond painful. And we're coming up to the anniversary of it. And so we understand Tushin Payalov is not just Teishnas Plus. It will be a year of wonders. Wonders that we can see. So that can't mean more bad news, God forbid. It's got to be everything turning upside down. We definitely know, nobody will dispute, that our lives turned upside down last year, Purim. And again, they promise us that we'll go back to normal, but they're really telling us, honey bunch, you ain't never going back to normal. Once the world was turned upside down, it's not turning right side up again going to be a new normal. When they say the global reset, they mean a global reset. However, Hashem also means a global reset. Mashiach. Mashiach also means a global reset. The Meisher Rabbeinu of the generations. Mordechai and Sadek, they also have in mind a global reset. The global reset of Mashiach. For that, you need everything to turn upside down. And unfortunately, it came with horrific Mesiris Nefesh on the part of the Jewish people. And so we understand that we're looking forward to a benahapehu, a pur, an energy entering the world as we build up to Purim and on Purim that will turn everything, make last year look like a walk in the park, but in a good way. The upside down turning of the entire world last Purim will only be matched and completely uh, superseded by the upside down turning of the world this year. And it's going to be, last year it seemed from good to evil. You know, evil seemed to, to, to rule. And this year it's going to be from evil to good. Because one more thing we have to realize, that when Haman, who is a Malik, who is the guy we're dealing with, who is, has settled into every place, and he's affected everybody's mentality, not just the globalists, everybody's mentality. And he's so insidious, that's the thing about Amalek. You don't quite know who he is until you watch how you're thinking and you watch how other people are thinking you realize he settled in there. And that's also part of the cancel culture. The cancel culture is no doubt one of the tools of Haman. Cancel everything. Cancel everything. Can't say anything. Can't think anything. Can't say... 
turn everything upside down. Can't say he, you can't say she, you can't say they, you can't say person, you can't say skyscraper, you can't say budgie bird, you can't say staircase, you can't say anything. Everything's canceled. Null and void. Bittle the Messias. So that the world is restructured through this Purim to a world of Geula. A world of Mashiach. And with our Messias Nefesh, what's our Messias Nefesh now? Number one, stand up for the truth and don't be afraid. Number two, dance, 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 sing, sing, sing. Be the Simcha every single day in the month of other. The, the, the power of it is beyond what we can imagine. To affect the change not only on the day of Purim, but before and after the day of Purim. To transform the darkness to light. So we're going to finish the second, this is the first half of the Mimer. We're going to finish it in the next installment. And we say, Hashem, before we get to the second half of this mimer that was revolutionary, that changed the whole world, it was post-Stalin. Remember, the first mimer that was said by the Rebbe was, while Stalin was still in this world, a mullet in a powerful form was still in this world. And I guess this second mimer was said when Stalin was no longer in the world. Very different world. Can you imagine that? In a few minutes, a very different world was created. We are now learning the Mimer, which, as I understand chronologically, was probably the first Mimer that was said in the entire world after Stalin, Amalek, Haman, left the world. And the world has been a different world since those moments, and it's activated through this Mimer. So we're going to complete it, and we're going to, the Mimer soon, and we're going to say, Hashem, Please give us the Gula Mitzvah Shlema immediately now. We should find ourselves in the base of Mitzvah Shlishi and get rid of the memory and the anything of a Malik and find ourselves with Mashiach who came immediately now.